You're listening to the Nutrition Awareness Podcast, where we firmly believe food should fuel your life, not restrict it. Each week, one of our registered dietitian nutritionists will motivate and educate you with accurate and reliable nutrition information to help you achieve your health goals using food. Whether you struggle with yo-yo dieting, weight loss, portion control, or simply just understanding the right eating patterns to get real, lasting results, you're in the right place. I'm Dietitian Kate, nutrition expert, ex-cardio bunny turned barbell junkie, and your host for today's episode. Are you ready to dive in? Welcome back to another episode of the Nutrition Awareness Podcast and all our listeners will be so excited to know that they don't just have to listen to me speak today. They also get Megan, the other dietitian at Nutrition Awareness, and a special guest, Rachel Orton. So I'm going to let Rachel introduce herself and kind of tell you a little bit about today's really unique episode because it's unlike anything we've ever done, and we owe Rachel for this awesome idea. That is so sweet of you. Thank you so much for having me on, and I'm really excited to have this opportunity to talk with y'all. Um, so a little bit about my background. I went to Auburn University for my undergrad. I ended up switching actually out of dietetics my senior year to just nutrition wellness, and I picked up a hunger studies minor because I really thought like I don't see myself going the clinical route but then I realized um I don't know what kind of job I can get with this degree so I ended up going to finish my DPD courses at University of Georgia and then went on to get my master's and do my dietetic internship um, at Texas Women's University in Houston where I learned that I actually do love clinical and I would like to start out in clinical. I just recently got licensed, so I don't, I'm not working yet, but of course I'm like thinking 12 steps ahead and already stressing about one day I wanna open my own business and I don't know how to do that. So basically I wanted to contact you guys and ask you some questions about how you started your business and I thought kind of getting those ideas rolling in my mind would help me prepare me along the way for ultimately reaching the goal of starting my own private practice. So I think every dietitian, every like baby dietitian has in the back of the, if, if they're going to start their business, I feel like there's already like a little peanut in the back, <laughs> like a little seed that's planted even before you get your first job that you're like, I know I'm going to want to do something that's on my own or like starting my own thing or I feel like so you're there like you got that little the little seed is planted yeah exactly and I I'm just maybe worrying too far in advance about it but I think it's good to kind of you know know where you're headed so. Yeah, exactly. And finding, I think one of the most important things that I've done as a business owner is seek out other people who are doing the things that I want to be doing in five years to really learn from them because that helps you to just go from 
where you are now to where they are a lot quicker because you learn like what steps did they take, what mistakes did they make, what can I avoid doing. I think that's probably like the best advice that I can give is like find the people that are doing the things you want to be doing and figure out how the heck they're doing them, which is why you contacted us in the first place, why you landed in our inbox in the first place and why we're doing this podcast. So kudos to you. So, yeah, I found you guys through your podcast. I was just kind of through, I searched, like, nutrition or dietetics or something like that. And I saw, like, two cute sorority-looking girls in their (laughs) matching dresses. And I was like, who are these girls? Like, maybe I want to hear what they have to say because if they can do it, maybe I can do it too. So I reached out and... Um, I did not expect y'all to respond and I surely did not expect you to allow me on your podcast, but I very much thank you for the opportunity. So, Oh, we thank you for reaching out to us. I mean, it's kind of hard sometimes to come up with things to talk about. So this is a great option for, for all of us. And I know just like what Megan was saying, when you reach out to people that are doing what you want to do, it not only helps you learn from them, but also teaches you that it's very much possible to go against the grain in the traditional route of dietetics. So kind of like what you were saying before we started recording about thinking, oh, if they can record a podcast, if these two girls can, you know, run a private practice, then why can't I? And I think believing in yourself and seeing other people do what you want to do is such a pivotal piece because you can see someone else doing something and that's very reassuring. But I do think it takes a special kind of person to believe in themselves and actually take action in going against the traditional dietetic job route. I think there's probably more naysayers out there when it comes to doing something like this than there are people telling you that you can do it. At least I think that's what I came across when I was talking about starting a business or Mm -hmm. going my own way or going out of the hospital. I feel like whether it was other people who worked in the hospital or other people just in different fields of dietetics, whether it was dietitians or not, I just remember people being like, well, you have to do all this legal stuff, like paperwork. Yeah. Like you have to like, make sure that you do this and this and that, and just made it sound like, well, you can't do that. And then when you really get down to it, you just read a couple books and figure it out. (laughs) Like, you know, we should probably talk about how you and I became partners. Yeah. Because Megan founded and started Nutrition Awareness. So you're the owner of Nutrition Awareness and you were solo for how many years? So from um, like end of 2011, 2012 was the official start until you came on like 2018, right? Yeah, I came on 2018. End of 2018, like September, October 2018? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just so part, yes. part-time. Part-time. So I was like, I was working at a hospital full-time and it was funny because I was also doing some like random personal training things, some group training, and some of the clients of the group training I would just see on the side, probably not very formally or legally. Hey, sometimes uh, it's how it starts. Sometimes how it starts. <laughs> I would I remember I would meet people at Starbucks and at Whole Foods and I think even you gave me that advice, Megan, which is funny because <laughs> This is, a, this is like a, I don't think we've talked about this in the podcast before. So I moved to Orlando and I was fresh meat. Like this was my first job. I was like ready to take the world on. I was bright eyed and 
I went to an Orlando dietetic meeting. You know how every little community has their dietitian group, and Megan was president. And after the meeting, I marched up to her and I was like, I want to be the social media chair. We met at a brewing company for some reason. Yeah. yeah. We met at a brewery and you taught me what I needed to do for managing the website. And I think I picked your brain a little bit, which I hate saying that phrase. I picked your brain. And you're like, yeah, I just read some books and I would meet people at local coffee shops. And I was like, I can do that. I charged them $35. I <laughs> <laughs> had no idea what I was doing. But it worked because then we linked up again. You caught wind that I was doing it and... Yes, yeah, I, like, was, I started following you on social media and saw that you were doing that, and then I remember just being, like, but I have all this stuff in place already, like, just don't waste your time, just come see clients with me, and that's kind of how we got linked up, and so she started seeing clients part-time while she was still working at the hospital, and then eventually that moved into full-time pretty quickly. Yeah, within eight months, I believe it was, if even that long. But it definitely was, I guess, the the hustle, the side hustle. But I decided early on, and I think this is really good advice for anybody who wants to go into private practice and work for themselves in really any profession, that if you decide, like, this is the thing I'm going to do, I'm going to work in private practice, and you don't give yourself an out, then you narrow what you're working towards and you don't give yourself an option to cop out and there'll be people who kind of say things like oh I could never do that and that's really risky and what about health insurance and what about security and blah 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 and if you give yourself the option of quitting then those kinds of comments will really get to you but if you just decide like nope this is what I'm gonna do I'm gonna do whatever it takes to get there then the inevitable happens and you get there. I think that's right. In my case, too, I had a designated quit date that I was done with clinical and I had to make it work on my own. Mm -hmm. So for me, I was I moved to Texas when I started my practice and I was working as a waitress in the evenings. So it was like I still needed to make money and I wasn't making any money during the day. I maybe would have one client, but I still had to pay rent. So the way that I did that was worked as a waitress at night nights and weekends and just to make ends meet and I know you were doing nannying jobs and walking dogs and all kinds of things but like 16 year old girl shit (laughs) which which is like yeah it may seem like it's below you at the time but if you think about it like this is what I need to do to make this work because if I just stay in this job that I'm at I have friends that are dietitians that have been telling me they're going to do their own thing for 10, 12 years and they're still in their same job because they're not willing to go outside and, and just kind of make it work. So it's it's not all it's cracked up to be as terms of like, yep, quit my job and everything was great and all the money was just rolling in. Like there's months where you cry and there's no money left. Like not now. Now we're like at the point we're where we're good. But at the beginning, no, you're not. <laughs> So, so looking back, would you say that was a good choice to have a quit date for yourself? Do you think it kind of forced you into making this transition or would you, would you rather have continued and kind of done it on the side, like while you're working your clinical job? I know for me, I, I'm glad I had the quit date because if I didn't have that quit date, Like I said, like, I wouldn't be waitressing, like, to make ends meet, but that was a good thing for me because it was more of a, 
motivation to make the private practice work. Whereas if I always had the cushion of my clinical job or whatever that paid the bills and that I had the insurance through and that kind of thing, that cushion makes you very comfortable. And in order to make a private practice or any kind of business work, you have to get uncomfortable. Like you have to be comfortable being uncomfortable. You have to do things that are outside of what your daily routine is going to be like. You gotta go and meet people and you gotta do networking events and you gotta talk to doctors and talk to people that you wanna just stay inside your little bubble and like want people to just walk through the door, but that's not gonna happen at the beginning. You gotta learn how to do search engine optimization and spend five hours doing something like that. Whereas if you're working your job, like you're going to be cushy and be like, well, I'm getting a paycheck. So mm-hmm. do I really need to do that? Cause I'm okay yeah. right now. Whereas when you're not okay, you're going to do everything you can to make it yourself. Okay. That's true. I think I, I had a friend who's in the same position where she always talks about doing her own thing. She's a dreamer, but not really a doer. And I, I heard something once and it always stuck with me. If you were thrown into an ocean and there were a bunch of sharks swimming at you, you wouldn't just sit there idle. You would do everything you could to get to the surface and get back to your boat or to shore. That's kind of like what quitting your job is and just kind of taking a chance. You're not just going to quit your job and say, okay, like I'm go- I'm just going to see what happens. Like, no, then you put yourself in the position where you're forced to work and apply yourself more than you ever had before. So you have to put yourself in that uncomfortable, scary position, knowing that you're not just going to sit there and do nothing. When you're in that uncomfortable position, you're forced to make moves and strategize and try new things. Yep. Well, thank you. That is very helpful. Um, And I agree with that. I think, you know, even For me, I'm walking dogs right now. Like, I don't have a job yet, but it's kind of inspiring me to, you know, get on it. And it keeps you moving. Because I was like, I got to do something. Exactly. Let me just just start. I don't know. I might be insane emailing these girls, but I got to do something. Mm -hmm. So, um, thank you for that. Okay, so... My next question is, um, did you find it some, did you find it more helpful or somewhat challenging to have a partner when starting your private practice? So I guess you kind of answered this because again, you already had kind of started it on your yeah, own. Yeah, so I had done it on my own. So from 2012 to 2016, in 2016, I brought on another dietitian that actually did not work out. Um, And I learned a lot from that experience. And so I knew if I was ever going to take someone else on again and like bring someone into the practice, I knew exactly kind of what I was looking for from having that past experience. And so the the other dietitian, there was nothing wrong with her as a dietitian. She just wasn't a business owner. So what I mean by that is she was great with clients, but she didn't have the drive to want to learn how to make a business work. And so if you're going to be in private practice and your only goal is to just see clients, it's not going to work because you have to learn the ins and outs of how to run a business and how to make money and how to make all of these behind the scenes aspects work. So then I was alone for 
I don't know, maybe another six, seven months or something like that. And I was like, this is fine. I'll just be by myself forever. Like, I don't want that stress again. But then when I found you, I was like, okay, she's perfect. She like knows, she wants to know like all the business stuff. She wants to like do the social media aspect. Like she wants to start a podcast. Like, and those are all things that were complimentary to me. So like, I like to do more of the behind the scenes writing and researching and those kind of things and Kate is more of like a people person talker like good at doing presentations and that kind of thing so that so finding someone who balances you out like I would never recommend starting a business with someone who's exactly like you it makes no sense um yeah you might get along but you need to find someone who is complimentary to you so what find what your weaknesses are and then look for somebody who's good at those things one thing yeah. you had said to me when I first came on was um you want someone who's a self-starter and that was one of the reasons why you thought it'd be a good fit exactly. and that's true you have to there's nobody in private practice holding you accountable to anything because you don't have a manager you don't have a boss you don't have someone saying if you don't get this job done or this task done this project done you're going to get you know a warning or something like that it's all up to you. So you wake up with a whole day and you have to create your own structure and create your own, I don't know, the structure is the word. You have to start. Nobody's going to hold you accountable but yourself. And I will say there are different structures of private practice where I know other dietitians who, like, they are the primary owner and then they pay the dietitians by the hour to see clients. And so it's that's different from what we do I wanted to provide someone with an opportunity to be their own boss and make as much or as little money as they wanted to go on vacation as often as they wanted to and make their own schedule I didn't want someone that was going to come in and I'm going to say here you're making $30 an hour whether you're sitting on your butt or whether you're actually seeing clients I wanted you to have the ability to like I said, make as much money as you want. So we structured it differently so that Kate's a business owner. It's not like I'm just paying, I'm the owner and I'm just paying her per client. So I think our structure is different from the way other private practices might be. I always appreciate how you would talk to me and treat me like a partner and not like a subordinate because I felt like that was a lot more motivating for me. You kind of, yeah, you got a piece of this. Yeah. I heard like a phrase or a term once, and I don't know if it would be what I would be coined as, but an intrapreneur, <laughs> where you're a, you're an entrepreneur within somebody else's business. I'm like, that's kind of what I feel like. You know, I didn't build nutrition awareness from the ground up, but I'm a part of it, and it's I'm a, I feel like I'm a big piece of its growth. So I'm creating my own business within the brand. Yep, exactly. And then the, the uh, I guess the um, the advantage to that is that you don't have to start from the ground up. Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of like why we we were a good fit for each other. Yeah, I mean, I had no idea that Megan had started it beforehand. I thought y'all were just joined together and kind of created it as a team. So that's really cool that you, you know, invited her in to, you know, kind of be your partner like that. Um, So my next question for y'all is if someone wanted to start their own dietetics business and came to you and asked for advice on where to begin, 
what steps would you tell him or her to take? Okay, I can start with this one. This is not what I did because I came into the structure, but what I would do, well, you know, I guess the, the let me kind of backtrack. Just do something and find a way to work with your target or your favorite kind of people. So if you have any experience, you might kind of, you know, whether you're in the hospital or not, knowing what kind of people you like to work with or what kind of populations you like to work with. I know that's how I got started with the group fitness because I liked working with people who were active and cared about healthy eating, just kind of what we would call lifestyle clients. So I found an in, I looked for it, and then I just started letting people know like, hey, I'm a dietitian if you need help with nutrition. And I really focused on that specific population because I liked working with them. I felt like I was good at that population. And my advice would be just to find a group that you wanna work with and let them know who you are and how you can serve them. I think kind of bypassing all the paperwork, legal aspects of things and focusing on the important part of connecting with people and whether that means doing a free talk at the local YMCA or contacting your local Orange Theory saying, hey, I'm a dietitian. I want to do a smoothie table for your patrons after their workout and hand out your favorite rest smoothie recipe and give them samples and then ask them to this like FAQ with the dietitian like ask me whatever questions you have and just getting yourself out there in your community to let your community know that you are there as a resource and so you can do that whether you're working a full-time job or whether you've decided to quit and you're trying to build up your clientele but I think you really need to know like am I cut out for this is this what I actually want to be doing because maybe you don't like doing those kind of things maybe you don't like seeing people one-on-one but I think you need to be able to get your feet wet and figure out what kind of business that you want to have because there's a lot of different ways that you can do it do you love the virtual stuff do you like to do group coaching so we've kind of done a little bit of everything. Like we've done online courses, you've done group coaching that's all virtual, but right there in the moment we've done, you know, we both do online coaching, we both do virtual coaching, we both do in-person stuff. So we've kind of figured out, we've both done presentations and gone to everywhere from a church to a gym. Conferences, (laughs) some weird stuff. Yeah, so I think it's like, you know, figuring out what you really like to do and what's special about what you're going to offer to your community or to the world and then really doubling down on that. Because if you come into this as just like, here I am, I'm a dietitian, I know about food, like you're a dime a dozen in this world, like that's not going to get you anywhere. Yeah. Well, you mentioned books. You mentioned, oh, just find a book and start. (laughs) So was there a book or a resource that you used to kind of figure out the ins and outs of what do I need to do? It's called, it's here on the shelf, it's called The Entrepreneurial Nutritionist. And this was back in 2010 or 11 that I was reading this. So I'm sure there's updated versions of this by now. But the goal in me getting that book was that it did lay out all the legal aspects of things, of learning, like, what, how to structure your business, um, if you need to hire a lawyer, if you need to hire an accountant, 
and all of the, just the um, the practical aspects of those things. So being smart about that. That also like looking for a small business administration in your area, where right right now all of their classes are online and available, and you can learn everything from 101 of starting a business to how to be your own accountant if you want to and do your own taxes. So. I think coming from the dietetics world, we don't really learn a whole lot of that or a lot of like the marketing side or the social media side. So I think even getting out of like the world of reading nutrition books and into the world of reading about owning a business has been really helpful. Uh, I think a lot of my clients like they'll ask me like, hey, did you read this book? Did you read this book? And they're all about nutrition. I'm like, no, I don't read nutrition books. <laughs> they're like, what? What do you mean you don't need you don't read nutrition books. I'm like, no, I got that part. Yeah. I got that part under control. Like, it's the business aspect of things that I want to continue to keep learning about. Yeah, and I do think that's unfortunate that that's not a part of our kind of um, structured coursework is business. You know, oh, yeah. I think a lot of, because I think a lot of RDs do want to open their private practice. And I think having those um, skills and that information would be really helpful so that you don't have to kind of just ask around like, hey, how am I supposed to do this? You kind of know, you know, they kind of give you that information as you um, are educated. And that, I mean, just to show the need is there, there are so many dietitians out there now that are just coaches for other dietitians Mm -hmm. like they don't even see clients anymore they're just they just coach other dietitians in their businesses which I think is a wonderful thing because at first I kind of was like what the heck like they can make a bit like a a business out of everything but then if you look online there are so many people that don't have any formal education or understanding of human physiology at an you know advanced level that are calling themselves nutritionists and those people are taking over the entrepreneurial space and the consumers they don't know the different well you know not everybody but a, a huge chunk of the population doesn't understand that registered dietitians were licensed we are qualified to do all these things we have advanced training and they just see nutritionist on instagram and this go-getter who might be putting out unsafe or incorrect information well, they're the ones who are really going in 100% with yeah, their business. Yeah, they're not scared. Yeah, they're, they're, not, not scared. They're, not, they're not scared. Whereas the dietitians are like, we got to follow all the rules. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Like, what are we going to do? And they don't know anything about business. So I think, like, that's where those coaches, like, really come into play. Yeah. So I, I wish yeah. I'm with you, Rachel. I wish that undergraduate programs or even dietetic um, internship programs would really push some kind of entrepreneurial or business marketing class just to spark interest and give dietitians a feeling like they can do this and make them feel capable because I think that's really what holds a lot of people back is they just don't believe it's possible for them and they go through the motions of the traditional career path and they get so far in that over time it just seems daunting to take a a left turn and, and go into private practice or working for themselves. When I was in college, we had one person come in and talk to our class about being an entrepreneur who was a, I guess it was a dietitian because everyone that came and talked to the class was was a dietitian in a different field. And I didn't even know what entrepreneur was. (laughs) I didn't know what that word meant. I remember that being the first time. 
of like putting two and two together and I was like oh that means they own a business and the way that they explained it to us was so off-putting that I remember being like why would you ever want to be your own human resources person do your own finances have to build your own website like why would you want to do all of that stuff on your own when you could just go somewhere and get a paycheck like that's how I walked out of that room thinking no way but that I mean the freedom that you get they didn't talk about like the freedom that you get and the abilities that you are enabled when you do something like that and you are on your own and you do take on that responsibility, which you can hire out for all that stuff if you want to. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think kind of like coming from the ground up and really understanding how it all works. But, but that being said, you do not have to go to back to school to get an MBA to own a business. Everything you need to know, you can learn through your own education, through podcasts, through books, through your small business administration. And just doing. Yes, exactly. And I always feel like I got so lucky to know you, to meet you and get to work with you, which is one of the cool perks of my job is I get to learn from a seasoned dietitian and business owner. <laughs> In many ways, you act as not only my partner, but my mentor. And I learned so many things by what you've been through. And so, again, it goes back to that thing that we were talking about at the beginning find a mentor even if it means investing your own time or money um if you do some trial and error and realize like okay yeah i know for sure i want to go into business and private practice then i would say start investing some of that dog walking money back into your business yeah thank you for mentioning like you don't need an mba because part of me is like you know i doubt myself like i don't know what i'm doing do i need a formal education to teach me all of these things so no, I appreciate it will well. take a lot more time and a lot more money and yeah, you can learn exactly. it all on your own so exactly. not, not to knock formal education but that was one of the best things I ever heard from a mentor when I was at the position that you're at I asked kind of the same question and she was like do you think you have the ability to work with someone one-on-one now and I said yes I have the ability and she said then you don't need an MBA. What do you need an MBA for? So that was like a very light bulb moment Mm -hmm. for me. She's like, are you going to help other people start businesses? Are you going to like be in the business? Like, no, you're, that's not what you want. You want to be a dietitian who owns a business. You don't need an MBA to do that. So save me a lot of money. (laughs) Okay. So talking about kind of resourcing out and that kind of thing, um, did you, when it comes to paperwork, did you develop your own paperwork or did you use a resource? So here's the great thing about owning a business. You do whatever the heck you want and whatever <laughs> works for you. So when you work for like a clinic or a hospital or whatever, you have to use whatever systems that they have in place. You have to document whatever they force you to document. When you own a private practice, well, we don't take insurance. So... We don't have any kind of like formal paperwork system that we have to utilize for insurance purposes. So when we see a client, we can do whatever we want, whether we want to write something down or take notes or be on our computer or use a Word document or a certain form, we can do whatever we want because there's nobody that's 
checking up on us saying are you dotting your i's or crossing your t's it's us really taking the time and working with a person that's what we get to focus on is that person that just walked through the door and what they need from us we don't have to focus on the paperwork and then after the consultation spending 45 minutes doing some kind of charting all we need is what's going to jog our memory so we remember what did we talk to this person about what are their goals how can we keep them accountable so that the next time we see them we know exactly what we're working on and when you get when you have so many clients it's impossible for you to remember exactly what was said the whole time so it's definitely Mm -hmm. beneficial to take some notes and things like that and we recap what we went over in an email to that person so that helps jog our memory as well but as far as like having a formal charting system or anything like that we don't have any of it because we don't need it okay yeah because I know you know some people I guess y'all do more of a consultation in person or over the phone or whatever you do with your initial clients but I guess I'm used to some people having paperwork filled out and like being sent to them so that you have an idea ahead of time what you're getting into and what your client's needs are so I feel like that can vary from person to person yeah I've seen uh in, at least in like the fitness industry if somebody was taking on a personal training client or I think I've seen it in bodybuilding coaches and stuff where they have this entire questionnaire that the client has to fill out in terms of, you know, how many calories have you been eating already? Or what's your diet usually like? What's your training regimen like? And there's a lot of paperwork in that sense, but we don't do any of that. I mean, we don't have people fill out long questionnaires or paperwork before they come in. They just book their appointment and say why they're coming in. And if we need more information, then it's our responsibility to reach out to them and say, hey, you know, we want to know if you're a good fit for us. Can we ask you a few questions before you come in? Our form is like four questions long. So when they... So everyone has the ability to book with us online without ever even speaking to us. But our questions are, have you ever seen a dietitian before? What is your goal for this appointment? How did you hear about us? And that's, you want to come in the office or are like, we doing this virtual? And they're like, office or virtual? And those are the only questions we ask. And so some people will get really into it and write us like paragraphs of why they're coming in. And other people will be like, weight loss. And so that kind of gives us already a clue as to like what kind of a person this is and what kind of a consultation it's going to be. But for the most part, because we're so apparent on our website and our social media of like what we do, it's very rare that we would get someone who's not right for us. Mm -hmm. I think we do a really good job of putting out there what we do and so the the clients that do come in we're not worried that like oh this person's in stage four renal failure and they're coming to me to use insurance (laughs) like that's not happening yeah Yeah. (laughs) so well um that actually takes a lot of relief off of me because for some reason that was something that was really stressing me out is like how do I know what kind of paperwork I need for my clients. So that's that's nice to hear that you can just kind of do your own thing with that. So I use a Microsoft Word and <laughs> I, I have a, I have a list of probably, I don't know how many questions you think there are in there, like 50 or so questions, something like that. Um, 
that I go off of for the initial consultation. That doesn't mean I ask them all 50 questions. I might only get to 10 or 12 of them, depending on how talkative or how the consultation is going. But I have prompts there that, you know, cover everything from stress to medications to past history with dieting and sometimes what people will get into like their relationship with food and their parents and growing Mm -hmm. up but other people I'm not going to talk to them about that because it's not what they came in here for so it really depends on like that very beginning you just kind of say like why are you here like what made you look up a dietitian and usually you get a really good feel of what they need from you and then that kind of just helps you to guide that consultation. So it's not something so formal that, like, here's 50 questions. I got to make sure I get all these filled out in every single answer because the hope is that they're continuing to work with you. So, like, if you didn't get a chance to talk about stress or sleep this time, like, you'll get a chance down the road in a month or two when we're when you're ready to cover those topics yeah Yeah. consistently giving them something new and interesting to chew on when they come into the office or when they have their virtual call or whatever it is and I think one thing that I've learned throughout this time working at nutrition awareness is you start to learn what's really important to talk to with people right off the bat because like you were saying some people don't need to talk about their parents eating habits and how that's affected their relationship with food some people really do and that's a huge awakening for them and it helps them really see the value that we can provide but it's not, I think it takes practice and experience to really learn and understand okay what does this person need for me and if you don't know you straight up ask no not being afraid to say you know what why are you here and what are your expectations from me what are you hoping to get out of this? How can I help you? And people just tell you what you want or what they want, and you, <laughs> and you can uh, and you can deliver. Yeah. Um, well, kind of moving on to legality issues. What? How do you handle that? <laughs> are there legal issues? How do you know if you're practicing and not going to get sued or something like that? So um, liability insurance is actually very cheap for dietitians because it's very rare for a dietitian to get sued. So whereas like malpractice insurance for a physician is very expensive because they're touching people and doing things and they're they're high, at higher risk. Um, I think it's like $125 a year. Mine's not even that much. And the coverage is... 500000 to a million dollars. So, like, you're probably not going to get sued for that much money. Like, what are you really going to do to these people? That being said, like, you have to be, co- like, be covered yeah. by it. But that's not a barrier. You know, it's, it's cheap. It's easy to apply for. It's maybe a 10-minute process to get that malpractice insurance. And then other legalities is just basically on the business side of things yeah. of, like, having the business structure that you like as far as business structure like what we have right now is an LLC a limited Mm -hmm. liability corporation so that makes you separate from your business so before when I started the business I didn't have any assets I didn't own a house or a boat or have a car or may I had a car but it was a four thousand dollar car so like I didn't need to protect that I wasn't married or anything like that So when I started, I was just a sole proprietor, which you and your business are considered the same entity. So if someone sued my business, they were also suing me. 
Okay. Then when I got married, bought a house, all of that, it was really important to have an LLC because that makes you separate from your business. So if someone sued me, they could only sue me for what my business is worth or the assets that my business has. They can't come after my house or my car or my husband or anything that my husband owns, if that makes sense. Yes, and that is good information because I have, like I said, I have no idea how business works, unfortunately, because I wasn't educated in business. And I know people have always told me, oh, you just get an LLC. And I'm like, okay, well, what does that mean? (laughs) Like, how do I do that? (laughs) So that's really helpful. Uh, yeah, and then we have the consent form that people sign too. Yeah, so a registration consent form that basically says like everything that we talk about is protected by HIPAA. We are not going to share any of your information with anybody. Like they fu- they fill out that form just like when you go to a doctor's office and you fill out the HIPAA agreement. We have clients do that as well when they come into us. Okay. That seems simple enough for me. And the LLC Um, thing, like, that, I didn't know anything about that either. I just learned by Googling, like, or watching YouTube videos. Like, it wasn't, I didn't even, I didn't go through a lawyer or anything like that. I did it all myself, but but it was just through Googling. It wasn't, like, I, I don't know, I didn't, like, hire a consultant or anything like that, which a lot of people will go through a lawyer to do that, which is great because it takes it out of your hands and you know that, you know that you're doing it well, but, like, I was trying to save as much money as I possibly could, and I really wanted to under I like to understand the ins and outs of these kind of things, so, like, I just wanted to know how to do it, did it myself, and made it happen, but it, I didn't have any kind of special knowledge or classes or anything like that. It was just Google. Well, props to you Thanks. for taking that initiative, seriously, because I, I would be freaked out that I had no idea what I was doing, so... <laughs> Good for you. Um, So what about branding? Did you outsource your branding and like website design or did you kind of just Google that as well? (laughs) So from from the very beginning, I had a friend who was in marketing that made me a logo and it sucked, but it was, I had a logo, (laughs) like, you know what I mean? (laughs) And she was still in college, I think. And she was just like, just getting into that world of like doing branding and stuff like that. Um, so yeah, I just used that for a while. And then when I started to make some money, I was putting aside a lot of it because I knew I wanted someone legit to make a logo for me. And you can get a logo on Fiverr or 99designs. There's these websites where you hire freelance people and you can get things done for pretty cheap or you can hire them, hire the higher level people for a larger amount of money. So um, I did my own website myself to start out with, which now with like Wix and Squarespace and things like that is pretty easy to put together. Um, and then, like I said, once I made some money and was ready to invest, I hired out for that. So now we have someone who manages our website, someone who manages our search engine optimization optimization for us, and then we did a rebrand at the beginning of 2019 and hired out. marketing firm to do that so at the beginning it was all do it yourself now that there's money in the bank we are able to spend and outsource those things to the people who are good at that stuff yeah you know I think if if I don't know what you would think of this but if I was starting a business right now I would really leverage social media platforms 
still keeping some things in the back pocket because those are privately owned companies and you never know Instagram or Facebook could just go away but a really cheap way to start creating your brand and experimenting with what your brand should look like is to just show up on a social media page uh, that's centered around your business or your goal or if you are your own brand I don't think that was really the thing to do in 2010 but now it's kind of like you could just do it and see where it goes and if you start getting clients and making money from a free or relatively free platform, then you can probably put aside money pretty quickly to put together a formal website and branding and outsource stuff like that, depending on what kind of platforms you utilize. And even now today, we definitely utilize social media as, like I'm working on a book right now and I asked every all of our followers, like which title do you like the best? And they gave me feedback on that, and that was awesome. When we were going through a rebrand, we were asking about, like, different logo. Like, here's these four different logos. Like, what do you guys think? And that was really helpful because we've kind of, like, cultivated that following, and those people that follow us know us and like us and trust us. And so when we ask them things, we can kind of value their feedback as well. Yeah. I mean, that makes total sense. And you are who I want to be. (laughs) Like, you're starting your own book. That is, I would love to do that one day as well. And I really admire you for taking such initiative and just, you know, doing things and not being scared to, I don't know, fail or whatever. Yeah, and I don't want it to look like it's all like rainbows and butterflies because it was in that book I've been working on it since 2012 and I just told Kate before we got on this call I think I'm done like as of right now today the conversation that we just had I was like I think I'm done with it like I think it's ready to go to an editor like I think it's done and there's been many different like reiterations of it and it's turned into something completely different from what it started as but yeah I mean I've been working on that for seven years now eight years so well I could get into a whole nother um series of questions about the book alone <laughs> but I won't do that right wait now. until after it's published and then um, we can do another one after I figure all that stuff out okay uh so you mentioned Instagram a little bit do you have any other what do you think are the best promotional tools to use? Like, do you have, I know the podcast, do you think that brings in a lot of clients or what are some tools that y'all use? Yeah. After about a year, we started getting clients from the podcast, which was really exciting because sometimes I felt like we were just putting this out there, (laughs) but yeah, we started to get clients from the podcast. I think Google is probably the best platform to utilize as far as advertising because then you get really intentional people looking for your business. If they search for dietitian, nutritionist near me, you know that that's what they're looking for. Versus the social media sites, you might get someone who's just looking for recipes, looking for a healthy breakfast and they find you, which is great, which is wonderful because it raises brand awareness. But if you're can, if you're talking about actually making money, I don't think it's the best platform, but it definitely helps, it raises awareness And it's something that I think everyone should start like yesterday if they're trying to be in business of any kind because it puts you out there and it gets you interacting with the ideal type of people that you want to work with and you get feedback and you create an audience and who knows 
We've got a lot of people that just follow us on Instagram or heard of us and they sent our profile to a friend who books. And so that's really wonderful as far as actually making money. So I'd say for us, it was definitely Google, Instagram, and uh, the podcast has started to become something else that we're getting more business from. One piece of advice I heard from somebody, I don't even know who, but it was don't try to spread yourself on every single platform because you'd rather put more time and energy into one or two platforms that can actually convert instead of trying to be on TikTok and Instagram and Facebook and podcast and whatever else, Twitter, because you just aren't Get really good at one. Yeah. Get really good at one. Yeah. That's great advice. I agree with that 100%. Um, So as far as making your podcast, did you, how'd you know like what steps to take in creating that? And did you see the need to purchase equipment right away? Or how did, how did that go down? You know, I'll be honest. I think when it came to the podcast, it was just kind of an idea in my head one day out of nowhere. I was like, I think I want to do this. I want to make a podcast. And Megan had a microphone from whatever you'd use. The course. For. Yeah, the course, yeah, the, the online course. This and is like... I don't know, 60 bucks, 90 bucks. It wasn't that Less expensive. than 100. It wasn't that it. expensive. And this is one that's, like, recommended by a lot of podcasters. It's a Blue Yeti. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we just have this little, like, dragon pad thing, and that helps to not hear the peas <laughs> so much. But that's the only, like, fancy equipment that we have. And then we can record on our phones using an app. The app is free. To, it's called Anchor. Uh, there's a little sponsored ad that they have you do to use the the app, um, but it's a free platform and it distributes your podcast to all of the podcast platforms. So it was less than a hundred bucks or so to even get the equipment, but that's it. And we just said we're gonna do this. And the best advice I could have for podcasting is to listen to what people are asking you about in terms of nutrition and what kind of advice they're looking for and create it in, or, you know, and convert it into really good content. And that's how we do yeah. it. We, we start talking on the mic and we're like, all right. Yeah, we'll see what yeah, happens. Everything sounds so simple. And in my mind, I'm just like, oh, <laughs> yeah, I think I don't know how to do. And, but I really appreciate it because you're making me feel like this is something yeah. that I can maybe do. I think everyone everyone should do a podcast if they have something valuable to provide. Like if you know you have something interesting, whether it's entertaining, educational, inspirational, motivational, or all of the above, you should try a podcast because you have nothing to lose. And I think dietitians really need to get on there because otherwise we're going to get overpowered by phonies. Yeah, I agree. And I think it's a good way to, even if you're not going to make money off of a podcast, it's a great way to kind of get yourself out there and show initiative. If you're, maybe you're not trying to start your private practice, but maybe you're trying to get a job and you can put on your resume, hey, I do this podcast. Like, Mm -hmm. I take initiative, I'm a leader, um, that kind of thing. And I think it helps you network as well you can figure everything out like you can figure everything is figure outable (laughs) like you can (laughs) you can figure it out it's not when you build things up in your mind of like how do I start a podcast it must be so complicated and then you learn that literally you just need your phone and an app and 
go in your closet. The closet has the best acoustics. <laughs> Anywhere where you can find four walls that are close together, that's where you're gonna sound your best. And that's all that you need, and you need something to talk about. I think one time I recorded an episode in my car. <laughs> it was like the Halloween episode, I don't know why. But it sounded fine. You could kind of hear yeah. some traffic in the background. But if you're just honest with people, like, yeah, I'm in my car right now. They're going to be like, who is this? Cool. But yeah. You know, I th- we've got time for maybe one or two more questions. Yep. Okay. Okay. Um, how did you determine your rates and how often do you reassess them? Good question. Um, like I said at the beginning, at Starbucks, I think I charged $35 for my first client. And then just moved up from there. So now our initial consultations are 199 and we've gotten to that number just over the years, like playing with it, um, just seeing how it works. So like every single time we've ever raised our prices, it's been really scary. And we've like sat there and debated about it and like, well, what if this happens? What if this happens? And then every time we've just done it, it's literally not come up ever again. Like it's, we've just done it and then it works. So, I think it's just with I think everybody like puts a big to do on it like oh my gosh what are my rates are going to be like figure out what you want to make and what's going to make you happy and work backwards from there like how much time is how much time is going to take you to actually see a person so when you get really good at it like yeah you're in person with them for an hour and then maybe you spend a 15 to 20 minutes afterwards doing any kind of research for them or sending them a follow-up but maybe at the beginning maybe it takes you three hours to do that so you need to figure out if I'm gonna be spending three hours on this one client that means I can maybe only take two new clients in a day so how much money do I need to make in a day to be paying my rent and my bills and all of those things and trying to work backwards to make that number really mean something to you so I know for me, like, I figured, the way that I figured that out is figuring out exactly how much money I wanted to make in a year by figuring out what I wanted to do in a year. Like, how many vacations did I want to take? What kind of car do I want to drive? What kind of house do I want to be in? That equals this amount of money that I'm making. Now I need to backtrack and figure out how to make that in my business, and that helps you to set your prices and figure out what that's worth because then you have a client who's coming in and you know this client's helping me to do all the things that I want to do in my life so I'm really motivated to help this client do all the things that they want to do in their lives which is the beautiful part about private pay is because they the client if they're going to invest 199 in an hour then that hour I give them is going to be my best hour I'm not just going to hand them a handout and pull out some food models and say, <laughs> your serving of, well, you know, potatoes needs to be... No, it's going to exceed their expectations. And then you also have to leave room in your day if they reach out to you and they are asking questions, then you set those boundaries of what you're able to be or what your availability is outside of those consultation hours. But then you have the opportunity to go above and beyond for them because you have more time because you planned it in advance because, hey, if I'm charging this month, this month, much uh, money for a consultation, what that includes on the outside. And it gives you an opportunity to really show them that that 199 was well spent. And I think not charging by the hour is really smart too. So when we say our initial consultation is 199, 
most people roll that into a package of sessions. So most people will buy a package of sessions that includes that initial consultation. So instead of saying, we charge $199 an hour, so like a lawyer would, that's really intimidating to be like, well, I don't know how many hours I'm gonna need from this person. Like, what if I end up owing them $7,000 because I'm using all of their hours? Most people will buy like a five session package. And so that includes contacting us in between time or us reviewing food journals or things like that that are like above and beyond what we do just sitting there talking with them for the one hour or the 30 minute sessions um so it's not just you're paying me 199 $199 an hour it's this is what i'm offering you for coming in to see us and yeah excuse me becoming a client yeah that makes total sense and i think y'all Y'all know what you're doing. You have your act <laughs> together. Um, I appreciate all of your advice. Do you want me to ask one more question or should we wrap it up or? Maybe one quick one. We've got about yeah. five minutes left on our little timer. <laughs> okay. Um, so what were some of your biggest obstacles or challenges you faced in opening your private practice? And is there anything you would have done differently? I'll let you take that one, Megan. Um, biggest challenge or obstacles, I would say from the beginning was making money, honestly. I mean, you have to make money for your business to be successful. And I think there's a crazy statistic that's like 80% of small businesses fail within the first year. And then like another, like, it's just like a crazy statistic of how many, how many businesses fail within a year. So I, I honestly think from the beginning, the hardest part was getting going, making money and making the private practice my primary form of income. And that just came with trial and error and making sure that I had these little side hustles in place so that I wasn't so stressed about the financial aspect of things. And so I, yeah. I want to say it took me three years. I think it was three years in business until I got to the point where I was making what I was making at the hospital, maybe even four, I had three or four years where I was either making or exceeding what I was making in my full-time job at the hospital. And once I did that, I was like, okay, you've made it. No more side hustle, like time to just focus on this aspect of things. But it, it wasn't an overnight thing where I quit my job and then started a business and I was making just as much money as I was making doing a full-time job. Yeah. Well, I applaud you guys. Seriously, you are doing a great job and clearly you work, you've worked hard to get to where you're at. And I appreciate you taking your time to teach others, you know, how to kind of follow in your footsteps. Well, we really appreciate you reaching out, and it's definitely fun for us to talk about it because, like, we love what we do on the nutrition aspect of things, but then also the business aspect of things. So, I mean, we get students all the time that come in and they're like, please teach me, like, what do I do? Like, should I become a dietitian? Like, is this a thing? And then they'll come in, like, to see the private practice, and they're like, okay, like, this is a thing that can be done. And so, yeah, we definitely enjoy giving back in that way for sure and we applaud you for reaching out to us and taking that bold step of just writing that email and kind of seeing what happens so um we would love to kind of keep in touch and see where you go from here yeah i would love that as well hopefully i can find a job soon i want to start out in clinical mm -hmm. just to you know get my 
feet wet and eventually worked where you, where you are. But um, I just wanted to have those thoughts kind of rolling in my mind so that I can know what steps do I need to take to reach that goal. And y'all have seriously helped me a lot and I really appreciate your time. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks again for reaching out and keep in touch with us. To me, I feel like you're going to be so successful just the fact that you did reach out to us and you're already thinking about it. So can't wait to see where you go in in your own dietetic career. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Bye. Bye, Rachel. Bye. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Thank you for listening. I hope this episode was helpful. For topic requests or to apply to be a featured guest, please email kate at orlandodietitian.com. Want more nutrition awareness? Check out our blog for recipes, nutrition tips and tricks, as well as product recommendations. Our website is www.orlandodietitian.com. Dietitian is spelled D-I-E-T-I-T-I-A-N. This has been Dietitian Kate, and until next time, keep it real and keep it healthy.